0: Welcome to What The Tech, sponsored by ProServe IT. We'll dig deep into the technology trends of today. This month, we're diving headfirst into cybersecurity in what is the third and final episode of this enlightening series. In today's episode, we're focusing on the particularly notorious form of cybercrime, ransomware as a service. We'll unravel this complex phenomenon and discuss how you can safeguard your organization from such threats. From understanding the intricate operations of the cybercrime gig economy to exploring strategies to harden your environment against ransomware threats, this episode will leave you more knowledgeable and prepared. Remember, knowledge is power, and especially when it comes to cybersecurity. So let's get started.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and you're welcome to today's session. I will be looking at the ransomware as a service and how to protect your organization. My name is Simi Dji. I'm a Senior Consultant here at Press of IT. I've been in the cybersecurity industry for almost 11 years now. And the agenda for today's session, we're going to be looking at the malware overview, what a ransomware is, as well as the ransomware as a service ecosystem, or the industry, so to, so to say. And I'll be looking at a case study to give us like a simulation, or a demo of how. There is ransomware as a service happening in uh, cyberspace. Then we'll be looking at the impact of the ransomware as a service, as well as how you can protect your organization, which is the safeguards. Okay. Looking at the malware overview, ransomware as it is is a type of malware as well. But in order for us to better understand what a ransomware is, we're going to go back to its origin, which is making us understand what a malware is in its sense. Malware generally is a malicious program or code with the intent to cause harm into a system. And there are various types of malware. We have virus, we have worms, progenos, spyware, and ransomware. Virus is possibly one of the most common type of malware. A virus attaches itself to malicious code and then use that to cause and harm on a system or program. Just like biologically, say virus, it can spread quickly and cause damage to an individual. The same thing with a, with a system, the virus get onto a system. It can cause damage to the core, the operating system, corrupt files, and even possibly lock out the user as well of the system. Worm in its sense is another kind of malware, which is a level higher than virus in terms of the kind of harm and how, how fast it propagates in the network So. It also gets itself from the infected system. And from there, it starts to find its way around the network. So aside from compromising a single system, once you get on the network of a system, it passes through any form of connection, maybe through a share or through a network connection on that system to to pass it, to spread itself across the network to another operating system or to a server within that network. So unlike the virus that probably just compromised one single system, WOM gets into the system and spreads across the network to infect more system, generally. Then Trojan horse, which was gotten from the Greek soldier back in the days, whereby they stuffed themselves inside a a Trojan horse and presented it as a gift. And uh, over the night, all the soldiers came out of the Trojan and then conquered their enemy. So that's the same thing with this malware. It's appeared to be a legitimate software. For example, it could appear to be maybe a Windows Media Player program or a remote agent like Anydex or, or even PuTTY. And once you download such program, because it's going to appear just like a legitimate program, however, it's malicious. Once you download it and run it on the system, then it costs and harm on the system. It even goes further to create backdoor Backdoor is a form of creating another way of entrance. Should in case you clear the system or you delete this trojanos, you will have created another way of entering into the network, which is called the backdoor. So basically, that's just giving the attacker or a cyber criminal or the hacker a way to get access into the network, even though you've taken care of the trojanos, it will have dropped and created a backdoor entrance for that for the cyber criminal or the hacker. And basically, it's, they have different variants of this Trojan horse as well. There's a remote access Trojan horse, which is a very dangerous because it enables the, the intruder or the hacker to gain remote access into your operating system or into your infrastructure. Sparware is also one of common malware and it hides itself in the background of a computer system, whereby it tries to just spy for sensitive information, like your credit card details. Sometimes some of them plug themselves on a the browser. So anytime you go to your online bank, you know, you try to purchase anything on Amazon or any online merchant site, it's just use the, and the browser is already compromised with the spyware. Any sensitive information, like your card credit card details is going to harvested it and transmitted over the internet to the cyber criminal. Then ransomware, which is the main focus of today's session. It's also a family of malware and it comes with an every price because if a ransomware affects an infrastructure or system, it's very instant. And because it's very instant, it encrypts the data of the system or the whole system as a whole, and you'll be able to get access into that system, except you pay the ransom that has been set by the cyber criminal or the hacker. So, having understood the malware view or the malware ecosystem, this is just the most common type of malware. I'm sure the next thing is how does this malware get onto people's system or get into our system or into our organization's network? Of course, there are so many ways, but we'll be looking at a couple of them. And <clears throat> the most common one is true, as simple as through and a USB drive. We can start with maybe a personal system. If you use a USB drive that has already been compromised with a virus or malware. And if you have a very strong anti-malware solution on your system and you plug such USB drive, it will automatically get compromised by such virus or worms or Trojan, whatever that's on the flash drive. Another way is downloading programs from illegal sites or from compromised websites. Sometimes when you download this program, they also have malware that are attached to them and if you run search program on your system the same thing would happen to the to your system it makes it vulnerable and also uh, there's so many ways you can be tricked from even a pop-up when you go to when you're browsing there could be a pop-up ad that says oh your adobe acrobat pdf reader is out of date click here to update it and if you click that and then you can also write, download the malware onto the system and so many other ways but the most prevalent way that ransomware, which is our focus, has gotten access into most enterprise as well as most individual system is through phishing. And phishing, of course, it's crafted to into an email attachment and is sent to a user and once the user clicks that attachment, the system gets compromised. So let's quickly dive into understanding what phishing is because it's a clever way of attack by a cyber criminal. And it's going to convince the user to grant access to the cyber criminal because it's going to appear to the user as a legitimate email. However, it is the email with the intent to send sensitive information to the hacker or to compromise the system. And it's prevalent nowadays because phishing is very manipulative. It manipulates users to dive sensitive information and it's mostly done over email and basically. It also attaches itself to malware and the way it appears is as simple as everything we see every day, just the same we'll see, we access our emails every day, we respond to emails. This, because of its a daily routine, oftentimes some of these emails comes as compromised, as a malicious email, which is a phishing email, and if care is not taken and you click on a link or you are yeah, asking to open the attachment, which has a ransomware, when such happens, it automatically compromises the uh, the system so like i mentioned fishing is just like a regular image just like we'll see a fedex box every day but within the fedex logo in itself there's an needy message there's an arrow pointing to show how they always ensure to give a delivery of your of your whatever you're trying to career through them and of course we also know this logo right this is a toyota logo but in itself it also has a message which is it, the logo in itself independently spells out the word Toyota. So just as simple as what we see every day with an hidden agenda or with an hidden mini, just like this logos or this signs that I showed us the same thing Mm -hmm. with a phishing email, it appears just as a legitimate email. And if care is not taken and we just click on such emails or click on the link in those email, it could compromise the system as well as our network as an organization. So phishing in itself has become one of the most prevalent means of spreading malware, spreading ransomware, stealing and stealing sensitive information from the enterprise. As you can see, uh, over 81% of hackers that is related to bridges were caused through phishing. 66% of malwares were stored through malicious email, 62% bridges were done through phishing and 51% includes malware, someone on installing unauthorized software into the system. But phishing has become one of the most prevalent, which is 91% of the most cyber attack that has happened over the years. Because it takes one to be very patient to review such email, to be able to know that this is not a legitimate email. But one of the common way we record, we advise people, whenever you receive an email that comes with what we call FUD hold, It's called fear of certainty and doubt. When you receive an email and it scares you or it gives you a sense of urgency to want to click on the link or want to open the attachment, or when you you see a mail that you're in doubt of, those emails could potentially be a phishing email. So FUD, that's odd, stands for fear, urgency, and doubt, or Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Whenever you have such, having reviewing an email, there is a likelihood that such email occurs a phishing email. So take a step back and carefully review the email. If you are not sure, you can ask your colleague, you can ask your supervisor or even IT in general to confirm if this email is valid. For example, you get an email with IT telling you that they've been seeing a lot of traffic coming from your network that is causing a network downtime in the in the enterprise that everyone is affected because of the traffic coming on your network that we need you to click on this link so that we can get access to fix the issue from your system because you're working from home and you're curious oh what could have gone wrong but you needed that it to get access into your system to be able to and you just click on the link and all of a sudden the system just gets encrypted and you've been asked to pay a ransom it's as simple as that just a quick action of clicking on the link or opening an attachment, a ransomware is dropped on the system. Going further to make us better understand what a ransomware is. Ransomware, like I mentioned, is a type of malware that's spread through the network and access resources where possible. And the main intention of the ransomware is to encrypt your data and uh, therefore locking you out of that system. And then before you can access the data, you are being told to pay a ransom. And how our encryption works is very, so I'm going to just make it very simple for us to understand. So it takes two keys to, in, in an ecosystem of an encryption. So there is a public key, which is a key that I can give to anybody to protect any information before sending it to me, right? But for me to, to access that information, I have to keep a key called a private key. So I can give you a public key and say, before you can send this information to me, Encrypt it, it's just like zipping a file, for example, and putting a password, just encrypt it with this public key and send it to me. So if anybody steals that information, they won't be able to access it, right? Because they don't have the private key. So once you send it to me, I will be able to open it with my private key and see the information. The same thing with this malware. So the malware is configured with a public key to encrypt the data that is found on the system. And once that data is encrypted, you will need a private key to access that data. So in order to get that private key, you're being told to pay a ransom. So basically that's how it works. It's just, we call it, another word for it could be digital kidnapping. So legi- legitimately or illegitimately kidnapping your data or your network. you requesting for a ransom to be paid for the key to be delivered back to you. And these ransoms are never cheap. They could go as high as over billions of dollars. That's how this malware and very dangerous it is. And this is just looking at it from an architectural point of view, whereby the attacker attached in some way to a phishing email, send it to that user. The user clicks on it, the malware is unpacked and then starts probing the system and start to encrypt the system and then launch the, ask the public key from the hackers network to be able to encrypt the data. And then the system is locked and all of a sudden you see a page asking you to pay a ransom. And once you pay the ransom. The true Bitcoin, the attacker then releases the private key. And of course, sometimes they don't release the private key and they just get the money free of data or free. And then you're still in the same state of not being able to access your data. So having fully understand that who are the most top or what are the top industry that are affected by ransomware? So we have the finance. Finance is one of the top and what this ransomware steals is Confidential data like your customer data, credit card informations, your social security number, credentials as well, and of course healthcare. Healthcare also they attack healthcare and they steal personally identifiable information, medical records as well. Government secret information, secret records, education they steal people's diploma and do identity theft and the likes. Manufacturing they try and get access to trade secret. secret. These are just like touching points on some of the key things that most common data that ransomware often steal from the network. And we're going to get into that, you know, how ransomware attacks steals the network. Okay. And uh, one of the very incidents that happened, I think about a year ago, two years ago was this incident that happened in Germany, whereby a ransomware was initiated on a, on a medical facility. In fact, this was so, I was so passion passionate about this incident because it was the very first time in the cybersecurity industry whereby a malware or a cyber attack has led to has been the reason that led to the death of a human being. And what happened in this in this case was that attacker was actually atta- sending a ransom to a school. So a school in Germany, a university rather in Germany, but unfortunately because the way the network in that university was structured, the medical facility of that university also got compromised. So the malware got into the university, spread itself, and then got, also got into the medical facility. Because that has happened, they couldn't get access to medical records or patients. Unfortunately, there was also an incident whereby there was an emergency, they were bringing somebody to. The clinic, very urgent for the person to be attended to. And they couldn't attend to the person or the patient because they couldn't access our record. So they had to right. suggest that the patient be taken to another hospital that was about 35 kilometers thereabout. But unfortunately, before they could get the patient to that next hospital, the patient had died. So it was very a major issue within the service growing industry because this was very unfortunate. And yes, we've had a situation whereby it facilitated get ransom, but never heard of it being a result to result in somebody's potential, which is why this is a very major attack that needs to be dealt with critically so that we don't become a victim. So ransomware as a service or as Microsoft would call it human-operated ransom attack, the major difference between, or not really a different because it's still a ransomware, but this is just making us understand that ransomware has gone beyond just the malware that is deployed. It is, the cyber criminals have potentially or actually created a network whereby they're very structured, just the same way you're structured in your different organization, whereby you have the MD, you have the... The vice president, you have different entities within your organization with different roles and responsibilities. And the same thing with the cyber criminals. They have individuals that develop the ransomware, they have structures, of different structures, people that steal emails of people to send the ransom to, people that distribute the ransomware, the person that would manage the authentication. So they've created such a cloud, the cyber criminal cloud, whereby they can render this ransomware service very much easy. Such that anybody can subscribe to their service and then make money off it. So how does this ransomware as a service work basically? Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, they are structured in such a way that someone develops a ransomware an individual, either anybody can subscribe to them. Hey, or even set up a contract whereby, okay, I want to get a ransomware with a ransom amount of say $50,000, for example, this is just at the minimum and they'll agree on the percentage that will come to the developer once the ransomware is paid in bitcoin so basically you're just engaging yourself into hiring a developer that specializes in developing ransomware and this ransomware not just crafted anyhow they craft they are crafted to whichever entity that you're targeting so if you're targeting like a financial industry they craft the malware such a way that it steals credit card information payment information user login and user credentials to maybe the online banking app. So they craft that and then they produce it and share it. And then somebody does the deployment and then get, once the systems are encrypted and they are paid, they share the money based on whatever percentage they've agreed and then the mode. So it's basically that organized. And at the end of the day, the board of protection is that once this malware gets on the system, it encrypts it and it also exfiltrates the data which is to send the data or the compromised data to the cyber criminal. And they can do whatever they like with it. They can publish it. They can sell it to the ISB that they can send it to your competitors, but they can use it as well to maybe maybe if they steal customer credit card, they can start using it for card not present transaction, buying stuff from different online platforms and spend customers' money without their authorization. Like I mentioned, it comes with every price and it locks down the network of the user and it asks for a ransom to be paid. Like I mentioned, this is the new norm, unfortunately, for the cyber criminals, because now there's no need going to the brick and mortars to say you want to rob a bank or rob an institution or an individual with this ransomware, because it's now a ransomware a cyber, which is now very prevalent. A lot of people with malicious intents are subscribing to them and they're using them for their selfish or un, or, or their intention to compromise a, an organization as well so here is just a funny picture saying to the cyber criminal that keyboard is the new knife meaning that the computer is the new weapon to make money as a cyber as a criminal rather than going um, to every big and mortar to rob an institute or to rob an individual. So let's quickly jump into the safeguards, which is a control now to protect ourselves against Mm -hmm. ransomware attack or any malware generally. I'm going to go across it with the baseline of information security, which is confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And that is driven through people, process, and technology, right? And of course, finance as well, because it needs finance to invest in technology to train people, to hire the right resources, and of course, to be able to safeguard the organization or well, generally we're going to look at people processing technology. The first thing here is you have to define policy because something is to guide everyone on what to do and what not to do. Then having defined the security policy, ensure that security awareness is done in the organization, security awareness across everyone, both your staff, with your auxiliary staff. Maybe the cleaners and people that, you know, support, maybe um, mechanical person within the organization that are not like the full staff. There could be an ancillary staff. Ensure everybody's aware of information security, what to do and what not to do. And also often test them with the awareness as well. The different platforms that you can use to simulate phishing email and see how many people that will click on it in your organization. With that, it can help you measure the level of awareness of individuals in your organization. How quickly they have to click efficient email and how quickly they have to report it when they see. So how quickly can they have a inspire ransomware? Define roles and responsibilities. Everybody should have a clear understanding of their function in an organization. Segregate duties in finance. We talk about imputer, people that impute the transaction or debit or credit, whatever it is, and, and different person that authorized. It could be in the same department, but there's a segregation of duties. Someone imputes, someone authorized. Reason is because we don't want a situation where someone that imputes us authorized. the person could also later in the future be a criminal or a fraudster. So if I can impute money into the system and I can authorize that means like I can create money and, you know, nobody probably notice in the organization. So this is just a simple, simple example of how to define segregation of duty. There should be that control in place such that people are not given too much privilege that could, if they are compromised or if they become like compromising entity affect our organization. Then disciplinary action. This can be taken in different ways, based on how, and the kind of organization you operate, and the level of rigs you're exposed to, or the level of sensitive information that you deal with. Then processes, this is very important. Develop and implement a roadmap, a security roadmap for the organization. This will help, pro- pro- uh, help to first uh, identify the level you have towards meeting a goal. So you could do an assessment of your organization to see the level you are against the baseline in the industry and depending on the kind of industry you belong to, so a strategy will first assess your organization against a best practice or higher standard, security standard, and they come up with an output of the level you have and then project you and give you a plan of how to achieve the appropriate level or the barest minimum level that you can be to be fully secured, even though there's no 100% security, right? But at least the 99.9% 9, 9. is also very effective. So it's important to measure yourself, where you are, where you're going, and then plan towards building the strategy to achieve that. Then of course, achieving standard based on your industry is very really important. Regulators, they take this very serious. Also ensure that your third party are there to this standard as well. Don't just engage any third party to just be part of your organization for any reason, ensure they measure them, you review them, then they, uh, do your due diligence to be sure they are not compromised. Because your organization can be actually secure. But if you have a third party that is not secured, they could expose you. Even the hacker can attack the third party and from their network, gain access to your network, depending on how your network is being structured. Do pen test or vulnerability assessment regularly. Establish your cheat management process. The code review if you're in the software development organization ensure that you review your codes, be sure that they are secure, they are using the latest program and the most secure configuration that we put in place. Security event logs are also very important because in the enterprise, all systems should log into a centralized repository, we call it the same, which is a very massive platform that all logs from your database, your servers, your users, and then there should be an individual that does a review to be able to see if there are anything like an indicator of compromise or people that are violating policies or people that are trying to hack into your system. Maybe someone is trying to check, has been trying the MD's password or the finance, the CFO's password. Multiple times, you will see that event in your logs. Then user access review, such that when people leave the organization, you are sure that they have only, they follow the due process of exits. Their credentials are with more access is revoked than the likes. The secure backups this is very important. If you do not backup your data if you ransom, you can't recover. The best you can leverage on is your backup data. So how you backup your data is important. Some use a code backup, such as with that the backup outside the network, and keep that data there, either in the cloud or in that facility. So that if, this, if there's an incident or can they maintain the backup regularly, they can easily fall back to their most recent backup and recover. Therefore not paying the ransom. Encryption is also important. For example, the video, we saw that the credit card information, as well as the social security number, were all stored in the database in clear text. So even if they, were, if, if they had encrypted those data and they got ransom, this, the data that was stolen would have been encrypted and be useless to the criminals, right? But unfortunately they were all stored in clear text and that's why the criminal was able to steal them and make use of them. But if they were saving them in, in an encrypted format. In the database, or they put a control in place such as only a specific view that can read the data. It will be useless to the cyber crimes. Then, about security, I think is important Or regularly patch your system. There are some ransomware that won't come into efficient, they come into hacking, and then they are deployed into the network. If there's a vulnerability to your system that, getting, that allows hacker to gain access into your system, vulnerabilities are weaknesses on the system. When you don't patch your system regularly, where you are installing illegal programs or vulnerable programs, or you yeah, are installing any uh, program that will enable remote desktop from anywhere, anywhere, by anyone. Those are issues that could cause a compromise. So it's very important to harden the network and zero trust. My colleague already spoke about that in previous class. You can go back to the video to have a better understanding of how zero trust is set up. And it's very important in the age and time we have now. Basic baseline of zero trust is just to treat every connection. As it's basically verifying, so it's not just going to verify you and give you access all through every time you require you need to connect again, it's going to re verify to be sure you're still the right person that needs connection to the network, and it's very effective and has helped reduce both internal threat and external threat as well. The network segmentation is so important how you segment your network within sensitive systems, keeping sensitive information, and even third party is also important so that everyone don't just gain access to the network and gain access to data. Because like the next a scenario, like a malware like worm, you gain access to a network that isn't properly segmented, it will propagate itself very well. And depending on the nature of the malware, it could cause a denial of service, it could shut down the whole system and make a downtime, or it could even propagate itself like a ransomware and cause commotion on the system. This is just some of the few things I'm just trying to rush up because of time. And you can also take your time to read through them once you have the slide. And uh, authentication is also important. Multi-factor authentication. If a criminal gets access to a system that require them to multi-factor, Yeah, authenticating more than w- using one factor. We have the three common way of authentication, which is the password. Your password, which is something you know, which is offered. Something you have, which could be your token. It's something you have in your hand or your soft token on your phone, and something you are, which is part of your being, like your biometric. So using a minimum of two or three of those factors will call multi-factor, not just using one factor, which is the like password, is also very important to be implemented. Data leakage prevention will also help cover what can be exfiltrated of your network. A malware solution like Defender for Endpoint and the likes are also very important. Data classification. Also, is a control in place that helps you identify sensitive information within your enterprise and how you can protect them and how they should be treated as well. And of course, establish a security operating center, which is a SOC, or rest subscribe to a managed service like course. We have a service called Alan Guardian, which helps to monitor your enterprise or different threats, as well as user access and also policies that you've left within your organization. All right. In conclusion, just like I said earlier, when I showed you the logos of different things that we see every day, but we never knew that they added a message, the same thing phishing mails are. Phishing mails can appear like a legitimate email. It just takes you to be very careful to review. Anytime you see a mail that presents itself that gives you fear, remember FUD, fear, urgency, or uncertainty, and doubt, you should be wary of such email and take your time to review before clicking or playing the attachment. And the security is everyone's responsibility. Thank you very much.
0: And that brings us to the end of this insightful episode on ransomware as a service, the third in our cybersecurity series. We've unraveled the cybercrime gig economy, demystified ransomware as a service, and provided practical steps to secure your organization against such threats. In our next episode, we'll wrap up our cybersecurity series with a comprehensive summary of all three classes we've covered from simplifying your security journey with our three-step process, assess, protect, and monitor, to understanding Microsoft's zero-trust model, and protecting your organization from ransomware as a service. Stay tuned for this pivotal episode. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll look forward to having you with us next time on What the Tech?